the phone rings. It's a member sharing the news that their spouse is in ICU. I can hear the urgency in their voice. I convey that I am praying, and then I set out and I go with haste to the hospital. Why do I go? Is it because I'm afraid? Is it because I want to make sure that the information is true? Or is it in response to God's grace and my love for them? Gabriel appears, tells Mary that she will conceive, bear a son, and name him Jesus. Mary calmly replies, here I am, the servant of the Lord, let it be with me according to your word. And Gabriel departs. The next thing we know, Mary sets out and goes with haste. She travels from, from Nazareth and Galilee all the way to a Judean town in the hill country, which was at least an 80-mile trip. We don't know how she gets there, who travels with her, or how long it takes. And in the absence of more information, I assume that she travels alone, by foot, and it's a long, exhausting, and dangerous journey, especially for a young girl alone. The earlier question can also be asked of Mary. Why is she going? Is she running away in fear of hearing Gabriel's announcement? Is she running to Elizabeth in order to verify that Gabriel's announcement is true? Or is Mary traveling with haste to be with her relative Elizabeth, who she loves, in response to the abundant grace God has bestowed upon her? After many days, Mary finally makes it to Zechariah's house, no doubt completely exhausted, and she greets Elizabeth. We often talk about seeing the face of Christ in another or recognizing Christ in someone. Elizabeth and John clearly recognize Christ in Mary. Even in utero, John leaps with joy and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And in response to the Spirit's work and Elizabeth's openness and awareness of the Spirit, she shares her familiar and poetic blessing that begins, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Elizabeth's song is both prophecy and exultation. She confirms Gabriel's message to Mary by asking why the mother of her Lord has come to see her. And Elizabeth blesses Mary as a woman, even before blessing her as the mother of the Lord. Mary is blessed because she believes that all Gabriel told her will be fulfilled. Mary is blessed because she has faith in God. Mary is blessed because she trusts. Elizabeth's blessing provides space for God to speak 
through Mary's passionate response. Mary receives this beautiful blessing, this poetic song given to her by Elizabeth, and Mary can't control herself. Words burst forth from Mary as if she's unable to control them. And these beautiful and powerful words have come to be known as the Magnificat, since the first word of it in Latin means magnify. So we move straight from Elizabeth's blessing to the words, and Mary said. And we expect more sweet, obedient words to come from Mary's lips, right? We expect words similar to the last words spoken in this gospel. Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And we think that that will happen as she begins saying, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. However, her words go on to reveal that Mary isn't simply meek and mild as our Christmas songs portray. She continues in what is the longest set of words by a woman in the New Testament to move from personal praise and recognition to communal awareness and remembrance, including the injustice that encompassed their living. The hymn we will sing following the sermon gives voice to both the praise and the injustice and begins with praise. As it says, my soul cries out with a joyful shout that the God of my heart is great and my spirit sings of the wondrous things that you bring to the one who waits. You fixed your sight on your servant's plight and my weakness you did not spurn. So from east to west shall my name be blessed. Could the world be about to turn? And then it shifts to give voice to God's mercy and then goes on to speak about how God will bring justice. When it says, from the halls of power to the fortress tower, not a stone will be left on stone. Let the king beware for your justice tears every tyrant from his throne. The hungry poor shall weep no more for the food they can never earn. There are tables spread, every mouth be fed, for the world is about to turn. And these words bring an image to my mind, an image that I saw recently by an artist by the name of Ben Wildflower. And it's of Mary with her fist raised to the sky and her foot stepping on a snake. And he carved this from a scrap of wood right after hearing the full Magnificat in worship after years of only hearing that first part, that per part that, that voiced the praise and the wonder. And this is an image of a woman who is aware of the needs of the world, remembers that God promises her ancestors. She's, and she's ready to, to participate in this work that God is already doing in the world. And this hymn, it goes on to give voice to what we know to be true. Though the nations rage from age to age, we remember who holds us fast 
God's mercy must deliver us from the conqueror's crushing grasp. The saving word that our forebears heard is the promise which holds us bound till the spear and rod can be crushed by God who is turning the world around. Imagine these words from a young, unwed, pregnant girl far from home in Mary's day. Imagine these words from a young, unwed, pregnant girl far from home today. It can feel like we're stuck in a pattern of, nat of nations raging from age to age with nothing happening. But the rest of the verse provides Advent hope, reminding us of God's promise and the realization that God is already at work. I must admit I struggled some with this text this week, and, and I've been wondering where I am identifying in this song. I am well-fed and rich by the world's standards, and yet I also feel lowly and vulnerable and powerless. Do I need to be brought down or walk away empty? In the days when Mary lived, if you were rich, it pretty much guaranteed that you were proud and powerful. There wasn't a middle class other than the tax collectors who were reviled and viewed as crooks who stole money from the poor. So my initial reflections found me hovering on the surface of this text with only thinking about the money and the food. But I think Mary is inviting us to go deeper. The passage is speaking of our posture or our way of living in the world. We can be filled with greed and power or we can be filled with generosity and humility. This way of living can be a personal posture, but it can also be a communal posture. And as a community of faith, are we greedy and only looking out for ourselves? Or are we generous and looking for ways to see Christ in another and to be Christ for another? As a congregation, I believe that we are blessed with generosity, with generosity of means, but also of spirit. We are filled with people who see the face of Christ in those who are in need and then act. We see it in, daily, our, in our daily lives as countless members volunteer at GraceWorks, deliver Meals on Wheels, and participate in our Room in the Inn ministry. We see it as members take time to make a meal for a family after a death or a sickness to give someone a ride to church, and to visit other members who are unable to worship with us. To see it, we see it in our youth and our adults as they take mission trips and learn more about who God is 
and how God is working in the lives of those on the margins while also participating in God's work. And this reflection of generosity has, is, and will take us to the outskirts of our county, our state, our country, and our world. The Magnificat creates tension within and causes us to reflect deeply, but it also provides a powerful message of the good news in the world. It sings good news for our neighbors near and far who continue to suffer under the injustice of the powerful. It's a song that we should long to have stuck in our heads. A song that reminds us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And through the teaching of Jesus, who was raised by this strong and compassionate woman, who knows that we now know that everyone is our neighbor. Mary's song calls us to love all and reminds us that God's love and mercy is for all. So we're almost to the end of Advent, almost to the end of our season of waiting. Very soon we will be celebrating the birth of Jesus and we will still be waiting. Waiting for a diagnosis or for healing. Waiting for a baby or a college acceptance. Waiting to feel a sense of God's presence or to recognize how God is calling us. Waiting for peace within and without or for Christ to bring equality to all that Mary gave voice to in her song. In each of our waiting, what we are really praying is, Come, Lord Jesus. And yet even as we pray, Come, Lord Jesus, we are aware of the good news already happening around us and are active participants in God's turning. How can we hold this tension? How can we wait and act at the same time? We can because Advent inspires our response. Angels visit, angel visits and phone calls inspire our response. Recognizing Christ in another inspires our response. Blessings given and blessings received inspire our response. God's grace inspires our grateful response. God is at work among us and through us. How can we as individuals and as a congregation continue to participate in God's turning the world around? As we continue waiting, may we have open eyes and hearts to see who needs to be blessed and then respond. Amen.